Well, good evening. Once again, meeting together for our midweek uh, time in the Word, uh, midweek message. I'm thinking of this uh, slot uh, as something that we can come to the Word in the middle of the week. Uh, some people meet uh, personally together in home groups. Other people are, are meeting, watching this particular study and spending some time in discussion. And uh, our time this evening, once again, in that just that one little book of uh, 3 John, the letter that uh, John the Elder, John the Apostle, uh, writes to his dear friend Gaius. So let's pray together and then we're going to read some of the passage and then together try and, and tackle it and, and see how we can learn and, and just glean some application for our own lives today. Dear Father, thank you once again for study uh, of your word. Lord, your word is what we need. Your word feeds our souls. And Lord, it is through your word that you sanctify us as your spirit works and praying this uh, evening for your spirit to convict us. Lord, help us to see clearly where we ought to be encouraged. Also, Lord, clearly where we need to change. And Lord, conviction uh, leading to repentance is what we pray for. Um, always looking to Jesus, knowing that uh, we can know the blessing of, of forgiveness that we have a high priest who intercedes on our behalf, who represents us even before the, the Father in heaven. And so as we commit this time to you, Lord, I do pray that it would be a blessed time of fellowship as we share together in the word fellowship with your spirit and also, Lord, fellowship one with the other. As we pray this, Lord, that you would be exalted, that you would be glorified. Amen. So turn with me then in your Bible, please, to 3 John. And uh, we're going to consider this evening uh, from verse 5 through to verse 12. So verse 5 through to verse 12. So 3 John, beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers, and also stops those who want to and, want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil. But imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony and you know that our testimony is true. So just so far, uh, the reading um, of God's word. And I want to introduce uh, this study and uh, in terms of the application that I want to extract and, and bring uh, from this passage today. But thinking back to some years ago now when my two daughters were quite young, and generally the practice today, uh, weddings are small, uh, children are not normally invited, and so I discovered that my two daughters uh, really wanted to attend a wedding. And so what I did was I took them along with me uh, just uh, to do the ceremony at a particular wedding. We were not going to the reception. And uh, so uh, we 
had the opportunity. I took them along with me. It was a wedding out in the Machalisburg at a beautiful, beautiful venue uh, near a place called Leopard Rock. Well, the little girls, can't remember how old they were, but they were enthralled. For them, it was like fairy land. Absolutely wonderful experience. The chairs were set out on uh, a lawned area, uh, very beautifully uh, decorated. And looking over in the distance, there was the Hodebiesport Dam uh, on the one side. And on the other side, there was uh, this magnificent Machalisberg mountain with cliffs. Uh, even leading up before us, in front of us at the wedding. Well, the, the the bride appeared, and the bride too, of course, looked magnificent. And the little girls, I could see on the faces, this was really a treat for them. We could even have said at that particular point in the wedding that everything was so perfect, like nothing could go wrong. Well, the two of them were sitting right in the back row so that they didn't... Uh, get in the way or even get in the photos of, 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 of the couple getting married and the guests were at the wedding. But for them, I'm sure in their minds, considering this to be the af- absolute perfect wedding. But 10 minutes or so into the wedding, suddenly things changed. The heavens opened and it really was very sudden. There, there were blue skies and, and then all of a sudden, these clouds appeared over the cliffs, over the mountain, and, and without much warning, the, the heavens opened and the rains poured, poured down and just drenched everyone. Well, my girls were the first to run. I noticed for shelter, uh, they ran for safety and found a place under uh, a lapa that was not too far away. The bride in front of me was drenched. Her dress, I'm sure that had taken hours and hours uh, of planning and making and selection, uh, was a mess. The well-constructed makeup, I understand this to be a process that normally takes a few hours when a bride prepares for the wedding. Well, all of that hard work came to nothing. In fact, it looked quite terrible with uh, makeup running down uh, the face of the bride. Now, I use that illustration because I want to use the analogy of that particular occasion, that particular instance, to think about the church. We do find in the Bible that the scriptures show us that a bride and a groom, a marriage, is a picture of a a wedding, a marriage between a man and a woman, particularly when we look at the book of Ephesians. And looking at this passage and something of the contrast that we're going to see between the different people is that the church often looks more like the bride after the rain came pouring down than the bride in the final minutes of preparation before she comes down the aisle. And so we need to understand, we need to see and need to even think about why is it? Why is it that at times there are instances when the church is not a pretty place? And so it's not surprising, and and we need to be honest in our own reflection in in seeing that from time to time, people do express disillusionment with the church. Like my little girls at that wedding. Uh, People have experiences in the church, and and they want to run. They just want to run for their lives. They want to find a place of of safety uh, where they can be removed uh, from any kind of hardship 
or ugliness that occurs in the life of the church. We also need to be thinking and uh, remind you today that Jesus is currently preparing the bride, the church. Jesus, we're told, is the groom, and the church down through the ages, the universal church is described as the bride. And that, that bride is being prepared, and, and being prepared very specifically to be a radiant church. He's in the process of getting rid of what the Apostle Paul calls in Ephesians chapter 5, getting rid of stains and wrinkles and any other blemish. And Paul describes in this passage in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 26 how Jesus does that. And, and we'll be doing that, we trust, here tonight. He, did, he does this, we're told to make her holy and, and that means getting rid of these uh, stains and, and wrinkles and, and blemishes to make her holy by the washing of water through the word, through the scriptures, through the, the, the word that God has preserved for us in, in all of the canon, uh, the Old Testament and, and the New Testament. And, and even as the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, all scripture uh, useful. A God-breathed scripture, useful for training and correcting and, and rebuking in, in righteousness. And so, yes, on the one hand, we, we must recognize uh, the work of the Spirit, the work in the lives of people, and see that there are some beautiful aspects uh, to a local church. And specifically, we at Central Baptist Church, we look around and we're going to look at some details just now, and and many of us conclude this this is a is a beautiful church. It's it's a lovely church to be to be part of. But at the same time, we also know and we ought to know that the church will manifest at times uh, stains and wrinkles and and blemishes that still need to be sorted out, that still need to be eradicated as as the Spirit of God does His work uh, through the Word. Jesus working uh, in the church. Now, so surely just like a young bride, and, and I want to uh, ask you this evening to think about uh, that uh, particular state of mind of a young bride. A young bride wants to be looking her best on her wedding day. She wants, she wants to enhance her beauty. And so if there are any blemishes, what does she do? That's why the makeup artist comes in uh, so many hours before the wedding and, and does the panel beating and painting, I'm not quite sure, and, 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 and produces what, what is considered to be an absolutely beautiful uh, bride. But here in, in, the, in the church, we find that it's the word. It's not makeup, but it's the word that we need to turn to. It's the word that we need to use, uh, the washing of the word. And, and we can do that in, in this particular study in 3 John. So God wants us, uh, as the church, He wants to see that there is more beauty, evolving, developing, growing, and there needs to be less or fewer blemishes. We must eradicate, eradicate all the pimples and blemishes and stains so that we may be prepared for that day, the great wedding feast of the Lamb. And so therefore, to begin with, Let's consider this aspect of more beauty in the church. 
Well, I look around at different church buildings, and just a few weeks ago, I visited a colleague of mine at the Honey Ridge Baptist Church, and uh, wanted to meet with him and, and also to look and see how they had improved their particular uh, building facility. Well, the building is, is really beautiful now. It, it was a building, I think, built some 30 or 40 years ago, but uh, it had got a bit run down and, and needed uh, some upgrading. It needed some beautifying. And so what they did, they got rid of the unplastered face brick. They introduced some light colors. Uh, they recovered their chairs into really beautiful fabric or with beautiful fabric. And the front of the church behind the pulpit has now been uh, filled with this, this magnificent sandstone. And so the, the building really looks nice. They've done some other work uh, uh, in the foyer. They've done some work outside. They've tarred their road. And, and so the, the church facility is looking really good. But of course, we do know that the church is not the building. Building is a tool. It's a facility that we use. The church is the people. The church is us people. We believers. We born again uh, uh, believers. And so this letter is going to describe for us or does describe for us some beautiful aspects of that particular local church situation, that which we can learn from and ask ourselves, is this true of us? Is this what we can develop? Is this what we are developing in the context of our ministry? And so the beauty, the beauty of a church is seen, is seen is what in what is happening with people. And so in the first instance, the beauty is evident in this particular little letter in what Gaius is doing. And like many at Central, what is he? He's faithful in what he is doing. He's faithful in what he's doing. And uh, verse 5, I did uh, refer to this last week. I referred to it again just from a different angle, different application. Dear friend, you're faithful in what you're doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. So here is one of the members of the church He's reaching out to these visiting evangelists, these strangers. He does not know them. They're needy brothers. And, and he does so not, not, not because of any particular vested interest. He simply is serving the cause of Christ. He's faithful in his ministry in the church. In this particular instance, here is a man. His, his life, his service in the church is, is characterized by love. He demonstrates this love by showing hospitality to these strangers. And so John commends him. Doesn't commend him just for having intentions or good feelings to perhaps want to do something, but rather for a work faithfully done. His active, sacrificial, faithful service in the church reveals the beauty of the bride. Now, let's think about Central. And there's no doubt we had an AGM last night, an annual general meeting. We presented a, a, a comprehensive report of the different ministries. And I have no doubt that there are many of our members who are faithful, faithful in what they are doing. So many of you are faithful in the service you bring. Uh, sacrificial service, uh, doing so uh, some people would say voluntarily, although we know we do so because it's the call of God on our lives. 
And and yes, God wants us to be more faithful, to be regularly doing uh, what He has called us to do, what He's gifted us to do, and the opportunities that are before us uh, to do these things. And so, the bride is beautiful, simply because someone faithfully prepares uh, tea and refreshments, coffee, on a Sunday morning or Sunday evening, or somebody prepares a Bible study and presents it to a group in their home, faithfully, week in and week out. We have members of our church, we have some 400 members, but I understand there are probably only about 170 giving units of 400 members, another 400 adherents. And, 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 and so we can say, yes, there's, there's a fair percentage of people who are faithful in giving, but can there be more? Can the church be more beautiful in those that give of themselves, not just financially, but also in other ways? And so the challenge tonight is be encouraged if you're involved in faithful service because this adds to the beauty of the church. Remember that the service is for God and for the purpose of gospel truth. And just to remind you of that in verse 6 to 8, you will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such men that we may work together for the truth. So this is what we do. We do it for the for the sake of the name and, and, and we do it for the, 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 the ongoing propagation of and teaching of the truth. And those who benefit from your ministry, your faithful service, it, it, it could be hospitality, it could be caring, it could be evangelism, it could be encouragement, it could be teaching, many, many other things in the context of the church. All of us together, partners, in spreading the gospel truth. Well, there's the beauty of, of being faithful in what he's doing, but there is something else that we now see in uh, Demetrius. Again, he, like many at Central, well spoken of by others. Now, again, we need to just stand back a moment and think, well, what reputation do we have in the local church? What impression do other people have of me, of, of you? Are you known as someone who is kind or generous or friendly or, or loving, patient, gentle, just showing the fruit of the Spirit and peace-loving and hard-working, uh, reliable and punctual? Are you like Demetrius, adding to the loveliness of the church? Have a look at verse 12. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone. And even by the truth itself. So he has, he has a man who has a good reputation in the eyes of others. And he has this good reputation because the added statement, even by the truth itself. In other words, his life conforming to the revealed truth of, of God. So the beauty of the bride is enhanced. The beauty of Central Baptist Church can be enhanced, will be enhanced when individual believers have reputations of godliness of holiness, of grace. And so Demetrius is the good example in this instance and, and followed by this exhortation to imitate what is good. You see, our natural tendency is to follow the example of others, to imitate others. And so just to comment in terms of, well, 
who do you imitate? And, and, and in the choice you make of imitating others, be sure that you imitate somebody who is being conformed to the likeness of Jesus. There are those like Demetrius who are well spoken of by others, and, and therefore the kind of people we want to imitate, that we want to follow as mentors and examples in the context of the local church. But I want to move on now uh, to challenging uh, the negative side of this passage. And I want us to consider now that God also wants fewer blemishes in the church. Sadly, like most brides, uh, there are some, maybe one ugly spot. And uh, I always remember the movie, movie of some years ago, my big fat Greek wedding. And on the morning of the wedding, the bride suddenly discovers a pimple. And she's horrified at the appearance of this pimple that will destroy uh, what she had hoped to be uh, this beautiful bride. But fortunately, her father, if I remember correctly, had the solution. And uh, he applied Windex to any particular problem and uh, suggested that Windex be used to eradicate this pimple that appeared on the bride's face. Well, again, pimples plague from time to time the local church. They appear suddenly, unexpectedly, surprisingly. Uh, These pimple people are destructive in their actions. Their actions are ugly. They're unwanted. Uh, They hurt the local church. We often find that these kind of people are self-serving and they have a fundamental problem identified for us by John in this passage, like diotrophies, diotrophies, and what's the problem? He loves to be first. That's, that's the problem. Loves to be first. It is true that Christians are frequently and rightfully distressed when this kind of ugliness is present in the visible local church. And, and, and sometimes, sometimes it occurs that a local church can be likened to a catfight rather than a community of faith whether it is intimacy and caring and concern. But instead, it's like the nails are drawn and blood blood is flowing. And no, it's ugly, it's destructive and comes about because of individual men and women who, like the diatrophies, loves, loves to be first. It's not new in our own day. It has happened down through the ages. And back in John's day, they faced this challenge Uh, You can see on the one hand the beauty of the bride, Gaius and Demetrius. But on the other hand, we also find this diatrophies. Verse 9, I wrote to the church, but diatrophies who loves to be first will have nothing to do with us. One horrible person, one person who loves to be first can make ministry uh, in the local church unpleasant. And so the most beautiful of brides gets, uh, can be affected and the attractiveness and, and the beauty of the bride is affected. There's a distraction away from the beauty. And so unlike Gaius who's commended for walking in the truth, we find out diatrophies will have nothing to do with the apostle. He's not interested in, in the truth. He's not teachable. He thinks he knows everything. He's not willing to submit to apostolic authority. And again, to liken this uh, 
brother. I don't know if he is a brother. Uh, diatrophies uh, to a pimple. And, and, and we see uh, the, the pus from this pimple being squeezed out uh, in all sorts of companies. We read on in verse 10. So if I come, I will call attention to what he's doing. What's he doing? Gossiping maliciously about us. You see, this man who loves to be first, he doesn't care about other people. He slays one and another with his words. He destroys them. He, he's destructive. He's not satisfied uh, with just uh, gossiping, but he refuses to welcome the brothers. He stops those who want to do so, and he puts them out. There. Can you see this kind of person makes the church ugly? Blemishes like these that we need to eradicate, that need to be eradicated from the local church. Just a, a point of interest, the, the, the particular verb here, uh, the Greek verb translated gossiping, comes from the root that was used for the action of water, listen to this, action of water in boiling up and throwing up bubbles. And so since bubbles are what? Empty and useless, the verb eventually came to mean indulgence in empty and useless talk. I don't know if you've ever left a church because of someone who does that. It happens, sadly. It is my opinion that problems in struggling churches are mostly caused by diatrophies type people. People who love to be first. They, they parade behind the spiritual guise of strong convictions. But in reality, self-opinionated, autocratic, unloving They make the church ugly and unattractive. Let's not forget, let's not forget the broader context of the Bible. Loving to be first, we could say, is the original and greatest of all sins. It is the sin of Satan. He was unwilling to be in submission to God. He wanted to be like God. God created him uh, to be in a particular uh, role and position and place. But we told in Isaiah 14, verse 14, he desired rather to be like the Most High. Opposite to the nature of Christ, second Adam, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself even to became obedient to death, the death on a cross, and accomplished salvation and, and the gospel story. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Well, let me conclude. There's no doubt in my mind that Central is a beautiful bride. I love being in this church. I've been in this church many years. Uh, when I'm away on holiday or wherever it may be, this coming weekend I'm going to be preaching at another church conference on the Saturday and Sunday, and no doubt that will be and is a lovely church. But I like to always come back to Central, a beautiful bride. Many of you are of great encouragement. You make uh, Central a a beautiful bride. You're faithful in what you're doing, and and this makes the church attractive, and and it's evident as people go away, they speak well of of individuals, this person was friendly to me, that person was willing to come and serve a cup of tea to me, Uh, that person reached out to the gospel, another person invited me to their home for a meal, and and so on and and so on. And so through this passage we see, yes, God is encouraging and commending persistence in being faithful. 
also that we ought to we ought to imitate good examples and we must use the word constantly we haven't arrived we still have some blemishes we still have some stains we still have some wrinkles as a local church every one of us is not perfect we are being sanctified and so we keep we keep teaching the word we keep digging into the word we keep applying the word and and praying that the spirit of god would so convict us and and enable us to deal with those horrible pimples unwanted unexpected uh realities that appear in our lives there is on the other hand the challenges the scripture comes to us is it possible that we have some of those like diotrophies at central people who love to be first maybe somebody listening to this presentation tonight and i i really pray that this word would penetrate your heart it's jeremiah that tells us that the word comes like hammer and fire and and that's to break the hard heart and 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 coming this 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 evening and 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 asking lord would you convict any one of us that that would be tempted or maybe yielding to this temptation to love to be first and if that conviction is there that repentance follow conviction repentance repentance meaning a turning a turning your back on that kind of attitude that kind of disposition and you know what the beauty of the gospel we know it is that God continues to welcome repentant sinners to be part of his bride God wants more beauty as the church is being sanctified God wants fewer blemishes in the church as the spirit of God convicts and individual men and women repent and turn to Jesus by faith And so just two final questions before we look at the discussion uh, in the groups is, are you someone adding, adding to the beauty of the bride at central, making her more attractive? Praise God if you are. Or are you someone like Diotrephes making the church unattractive? Challenge, repent, turn. Pray that God would enable you instead to eradicate, uh, remove any wrinkles, spots, or stains. And so, Lord, we pray to this end that you would be honored as the evidence of your spirit is seen at work in the lives of men and women at Central. Thank you for your word that is so practical. Thank you that we can apply this word and asking again that your Holy Spirit be at work in us, among us, Lord, as a group, as as a body, but also as individual men and women and young people. May those who spend some time in discussion, Lord, really find great benefit uh, as they allow the word, as your word penetrates their own hearts. We, We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we are going to just uh, show a couple of questions. You'll notice these questions uh, on the screen. And uh, going back to Ephesians, I think it's good to look at that passage to see uh, the church is not perfect, but Christ is at work in sanctifying the church. And then just some practical questions, and I did end uh, the questions. Do take some time in your group to pray for each other, pray for the local church, pray for us at Central, and even the broader context of the church in our country 
and, and across the world. Uh, so do trust that this study has been encouraging and, and challenging. And God bless you and, and be with you and have a good rest of the week.